Luke chapter 3 and verse 15. And as the people were in expectation, I just want to ask you this morning, have you come expecting? Have you come expecting something? An expectation in our hearts. And all men were amused in their hearts of John, whether he were the Christ or not. And John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I am not even worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will truly purge his floor and will gather the wheat into the garner, but the chaff he will burn with fire unquenchable. And many other things in his exhortation preached he unto the people. Verse 16 says, John answered and said unto them, I indeed baptize you with, the, with water, but one mightier than I. He's coming, and the latchet of his shoes I am not even worthy to unloose. But he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 29 just one wee verse there, Hebrews 12 and 29, says these words, For our God is a consuming fire. For our God is a consuming fire. You know, there's an answer. There's an answer. There's an answer to the death. There's an answer to the apathy. There's an answer to the lethargic service. There's an answer to the sleepiness. There's an answer to the backsliddenness. There's an answer to the compromise. There's an answer to the weariness. It's a baptism with the Holy Ghost and with fire. This is the answer to it all. Jesus Christ is the baptizer in the Holy Ghost and with fire. The prophet Joel prophesied. Christ confirmed it. And it was fulfilled in the day of Pentecost. And it is being fulfilled even to this very moment. Fire is an emblem of the Holy Ghost. It's refining. It's energizing. It's purifying. The first church was birthed with a tongue of fire resting upon 120 people. The fire of the Holy Ghost. The fire of God. The power of the Spirit of God in an age that's asleep. In a church age a Laodicean age that there is so much sleepiness, death, emptiness, barren prayer meetings, in, a, in an hour of great dearth and famine. There's an answer to all of that, and it's the Holy Ghost, and it is fire. It's the power of Christ touching our lives again. But there's a strategy against that, and there's a strategy of Satan against the church of Jesus Christ. It's to maintain the church at a tepid temperature. That is, that it's neither hot nor cold, but keep everything contained and keep everything at a lukewarm temperature. His strategy is to prevent a touch of God on a saint's life. His strategy is to keep the temperature down. Don't get too radical. Don't go all out for Jesus. Don't go all out for Christ. Don't make a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. Just conform to the religious ways of this day. But friends, 
I believe there's a cry in the hearts of God's people that we need the power of the Holy Ghost. We need the fire of God in our bellies. We need a new thing that will awaken the church from this sleepy age. The strategy is containment and to reduce the temperature in order for the fire to be quenched or brought under control. He is and has been effective in his strategy. His effort has been rewarded with bringing the church into a general state of lukewarmness and indifference, probably like we have never seen it before. There's a death. You know, we can get a crowd together with for so many things. But friends, when we heard around that table that Jesus is more than enough, He is all that we need. The cross is sufficient. There is power in that blood. But it seems today, in the age in which we are living, that that is not enough amongst the people of God. Whatever means, and by whatever means necessary, the devil will work tirelessly to thwart, to prevent, to hinder or to abort the church being set ablaze by Jesus, baptizing his body, his church again with the Holy Ghost and with fire. We are up against a real strategy. There is a strategy of Satan to thwart the child of God, to hinder the purpose of God. But Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We are living in the last of the last days. Unfortunately, that's become a cliche. It's something that rolls off as like water of a duck's back. But brothers and sisters, we are living in the last days. We are living in days where prophecy is being fulfilled. We are living in the very last moments of time itself. Everything is being fulfilled around us. And in the midst of all of that, we thank God this morning that there is an answer to it all. And His name is Jesus. And there is a baptism in the Holy Ghost and with fire. There is a strategy of the enemy. It's effective. Jesus Himself faced that enemy. He, we see there in his whole ministry, he was opposed by religious people. Every time they claimed to serve God, but opposed them at every level and opposed the manifestation and questioned his power. There is a day coming, Timothy records it there, that there will be a form of godliness, but they will deny the very power thereof. In other words, there'll be a religious outworking. They'll say they serve God. They say that they'll go, they'll go to church. They'll go through the mechanics of God. But they'll deny the very power of a living Christ who sets men free, who delivers the oppressed, who opens the blinded eye. There is a river of life that heals everyone that is sick. So the religious system will be against it. False doctrine will teach it. Winds of doctrine, seducing spirits that are swept in to the church of Jesus Christ. But one of the most deadly strategies of the enemy is to dilute that which is the pure. This is the most subtle and this is the most deadly. And it is very effective. While we become distracted with the earthly, with the temporal, with materialism, with things, with selfish ambition, the most effective weapon that has disabled the church in the West 
and has diluted the temperature to bring it to something that means that we can consume it for the 21st century palate. You understand what I'm saying? You know, if you get something that's too hot, if you get a cup of tea that's too hot, the first thing you say, can you cool it down a bit in order that it can be tasted or it's acceptable to the palate? Well, let me tell you, friends, in this day, we're living in an hour where there's a, there is a dilution of the purity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is a dilution that's come, diluting the cross, diluting the gospel, diluting the pureness of God's word. And in order, that's for in order that this world would be able to consume it. Israel, how many times were distracted from serving the living God to go after other gods? And friends, their, their life is there for our example that they went after other things and, and then the presence and the blessing of God is not upon them. The church in our hour is an overtime today to dilute the gospel in order to make it consumable for this age. we got to have something in order for them to be satisfied. But thank God this morning, Christ is enough. Jesus is more than enough to satisfy the longing of every heart. we got to change it. we got to dilute it in order that we can gather a crowd. But we were attracted to Jesus through the cross of Christ. And the cross of Christ is more than enough. God forbid that we would ever swallow the devil's lie. The devil is clever to dilute, to divide, to discourage, to distract, and to dishearten. And it reminds us of the story in 2 Kings chapter 4. If you turn to it, because this is one of the strategies of the enemy to dilute the pureness of God's word. In 2 Kings 4 and 38, it reads there, 2 Kings 4 and 38, And Elisha came again to Gilgal, and there was a dearth in the land. How many people would agree? That there is a dearth in our nation. A spiritual famine. There is a famine in our day. And friends, that's the hour which we have come to. There is a dearth. We are witnessing. You know, I just want to stop for a moment. Because in this hour, we are witnessing beyond what we have ever seen before. A departure from the faith. Isn't that true? How many people in this room know someone who is a backslider? I would say every hand should go up because we know so many. Many that were once in fire for Jesus. Many many that once used to weep at these great songs that we're singing. Many were with the fire of God in their hearts that were going to serve God. They would abandon everything to serve Jesus. We've heard their testimonies. Them stand boldly for the Lord. And then the strategy of wickedness. There's a strategy. We need to know there's a strategy on the part of darkness that's against the church of Jesus Christ. And so the strategy begins to work to, to dilute and to distract them from the cross of Christ and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, has there ever been a day that the saints of God have been facing so many circumstances, trials, tribulations, difficulties, sicknesses, burdens, and divisions, and breakdowns all around us. That's amongst God's people. But brothers and sisters, in all of that, we can say this morning with our eyes fixed on Christ, that we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ, who loves us and gave himself for us. 
And so we see the persuasion and the influence of this age, particularly amongst our young, but not exclusively amongst our young. We meet so many at different times, men and women who have served the Lord for years, and today they're cold and indifferent. Once they were passionate about prayer, passionate about the things of God, passionate about outreach, passionate about Christ, and today they're, they're void of that life and that joy that they once had. We are living in days where because iniquity shall abound, the love of many are going to wax cold. There's an indifference. There's a coldness. You feel it, friends. You sense it in the spiritual realm. And it's creeping in. It's, it's sweeping over our nation. It doesn't go by how loud we can shout or how much we can sing. It's a condition of the heart. It's a condition of the heart. And so there's a coldness and indifference. You know, I was talking to a man yesterday saying just about someone, a loved one. And he says, you know, they were once fired up with God. They were once passionate for Jesus. But he says they come to the meetings, but it's something's different. You know, you, you can't get your finger on it. You can't see what it is. You don't fully grasp what's happened. But there's been a change there's like, there's like a change that's going from, from the winter to the spring or, or from the summer to the autumn and the autumn to the winter. Now there's a coldness and there's an indifference and, and there's a dryness in all these things. And there might be many things we could point to. Well, ha, have you forsaken the closet? Have you, have you forsaken reading the Word of God at home? Those are important things to start with. Your personal individual walking, you begin to find the things that began to slip. The Bible remains closed. The prayer room, and maybe there's influence of other friends, and maybe they're going to places that they once wouldn't go to. And it's not about a law to say, you can't go or can't go. The reason why we don't go to certain places is because we've been delivered from those places. And so we see the coldness and the indifference. Once there was tears when we think of the pit that he delivered us from, of the chains that he broke in our lives. Once we wept when we thought of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me and our souls cried out, Hallelujah! Praise God for saving me. And now, and now there's a difference. There's a dearth. There's a dryness. There's a barrenness. There's an emptiness. Things have happened. Listen, friend, backsliding doesn't happen in one night. Backsliding happens over days and weeks and months. And there's a strategy of the enemy. Yes, every man is drawn away by the lust of his own flesh. That's what the Bible says. But the enemy is so subtle. He begins to tempt. He begins to draw. He puts people into your life that aren't a good influence. You know, my mom and my dad always told me, watch your company. I wish I had a listened. I only realize it as you get a wee bit older. I should have listened. Not because they're any worse than me, but because your company is going to have an influence in everything of your life. And you surround yourself with people that have no time for God, no time for the things of God. They measure everything by this world. I tell you what's going to happen. It's like taking the coal out of the fire. Eventually, 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 it goes out. Friends, I know that not just because I've read it in a book. I know it because of my own life. And the influence has come. And so you're in this trap. And so the enemy's so subtle. And now he begins to work on you. 
And he begins to show you the pleasures of sin and the pleasure of the world. And he begins to deceive you. He begins to lie to you. There's a dearth in the land. And so we become cold and indifferent. And now, friends, the things that once were our excitement, that's Jesus. You know you can get excited about Jesus. You know the world get excited about a lot of things, don't they? But you can get excited about Jesus. I just realized the other day, someone told me, I'm not in any way trying to distract from anything. I only realized the other day, a certain, a certain brother sent me about five or six, what do you call those pictures in WhatsApp? And I was looking at them going, wonder what's happened here. Apparently Rangers won. After 12 years of not beating Celtic. And he was so excited about Rangers. I didn't even know that Rangers did win. But whether Rangers win or lose, Jesus is on the throne. And so we get excited about these things. These are the temporal things. I'll tell you what affects your spirit, friends. I'll tell you what affects your spirit. When those things become everything in your life, and when they lose, it actually has an effect on your spirit. Did you know that? Because down in the dumps you go because your team lost. You're just better not knowing. Just keep serving Jesus. You'll never lose. And so in all of this, the distractions, the idols, I know Israel are quoted that they went a whoring after other gods, but we would never admit that. Other idols, we would never say such a thing. But friends, that brought the destruction of Israel. And here in 2 Kings 4 and 38, Elisha came again to Gilgal. Says there was a dearth in the land, and the sons of the prophets were sitting before him, and he said unto his servants, Set on the great pot and seeth porridge for the sons of the, the porridge for the sons of the prophets. Make a huge pot of stew or soup for the sons of the prophets. And one went out into the field to gather herbs, found a wild vine, gathered together wild gourds. And his lap full came and shred them in the pot of pottage, for they knew them not. And so they poured out for them, for the men to eat. It came to pass as they were eating off the pottage of the stew. They cried out and said, O thou man of God, there is death in this pot. And they could not eat thereof. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, there's death. When we bring in worldliness, when we bring in the things of the world, when we bring in all the influences of this world, it dilutes the purity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there is death in the pot. This is the hour and an hour of famine. The temptation is, and many have gone for it, is let us move into the 21st century. Ever heard that term? I hear it all the time, by the way. You need to move into the 21st century. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, this morning, it's not about the 20th century, the 19th century, or the 21st century. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. He's not bound by any century. There's death in the pot. Christ did not come to bring death. But thanks be to God, he's come to bring us life. The fire of the Holy Ghost. Jesus is the baptizer, John said. Jesus himself will baptize you 
with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Brothers and sisters, at the beginning of this year, last week we looked just at that scripture in Romans 12. Present your body as a living sacrifice, as unto the Lord, fully yielded unto him. And for those that desire for that life, there is a baptism in the Holy Ghost, and there is a fire. And Jesus is that fire. In 1 Kings 18, 24, Elijah said, And the God that answers by fire, let him, let him, let him be the Lord. We need the fire to burn again. What does it do? What does fire do? Fire, first of all, reveals. It's a revealer of hearts. You know, David, King David, who was a man after the very heart of God, you know, there's a day comes. He was after God. He believed God. He, he wanted God. As the, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul, that's what he penned, longeth after thee. But you know, there's a revealer. David, when he should have been somewhere else, was standing on the balcony looking at another man's wife. And he, with the lust in his heart and the strategy of the enemy, he was drawn away to commit adultery. With Bathsheba, we know the story. He had adultery in his heart. He committed the act of adultery. And he was caught in that very act. Bathsheba then is pregnant. Another man's wife is pregnant with King David's child. Well, David knows he has to try and cover this up in some way. So David very cleverly gets her husband to be killed. In other words, he's complacent to to uh, murder. So not only has he committed adultery with another man's wife, now he has committed murder. He's murdered this, this woman's husband. Now at that time, he's the king. Everything's fine. Everything's going on. We know the time has to pass because nine months later, there's a baby born. So at least nine months has passed. Then we know the baby died. And there was time for mourning. So it could be said, and it should be said, that perhaps a whole year has passed. And in that whole year, David has committed adultery. He's committed murder. And everything's going on as normal. But not before God. You see, the Bible says, He that covereth his sin, he will not prosper. He will not prosper. Well, time passes. Time goes on. But let me tell you something about the fire. It's like the prophet Nathan coming in. Not in condemnation, but to bring David to repentance and to cry out for mercy as he did in Psalm 51. You see, we can sit with murder in our hearts and adultery in our hearts and nobody ever knows it. We can sit with the wrong attitudes and unforgiveness in the house of God for years. We can be filled with anger towards a brother or a sister and nobody knows it. We're shouting praise the Lord and hallelujah. But then there's a day when the Nathan the prophet walks in and the mercy and the goodness of God they bring us to repentance. How many people cry out for the fire? You see, the fire is going to reveal this heart, my heart. The fire brings out all the motives and the agendas that sit so often hidden. Nobody knows. 
the hatred and the anger in the heart towards one another. Well, everything's fine. But then when revival fire comes, God begins to work a deep work in the church of Jesus Christ. Do you think the enemy would oppose such a thing? Would it be the strategy of the powers of darkness to oppose it? Would it be the strategy of the religious and the self-sufficient to oppose it? Or would it be the cry of those that know they need mercy? God, we need revival fire. It not only reveals, but praise the Lord, it refines. Because he's a holy God. It refines the individual. It refines the life. You know, he is a holy God. A revival that does not produce a holy life isn't a revival. But how we need the refining work of the Holy Ghost in our hearts and in our lives. Not only does it reveal, not only does it refine, but praise the Lord this morning. It restores. There's a restoration. God begins to restore lives and relationships, marriages and families. God begins to work because he's a God that restores. And finally, friends, he sets that place ablaze and it begins to penetrate the darkness all around us. Oh God of Elijah, hear our cry. Send the fire. There are a few things I'd like to bring to you this morning. If you so desire to live this life for Christ as we turn into this year, seeking God for a fresh filling of the Holy Ghost and fire, the power is given to those I want you to hear carefully to make a choice. To make a choice. Decisions are crucial. The choices that you make in life can have a profound effect not only just in this life, but can have a profound effect even on eternity. God in his sovereignty has given every man and woman a choice. Decisions are crucial. You'll find every believer, every man and woman of faith in this book it began with a choice to serve God. When they made the choice, then the power of God was given. The Bible tells us in Acts 5 and 32, we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God has given to them that obey him. In 1 John 1 and 12, or sorry, in John 1 and 12, the Bible says, but as many as received him, they made a decision for the Lord. Once they make that decision, to them, what does he do? He gave them the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. This principle is found throughout the book. Men made a choice. It was either life or death. Choose you this day whom you will serve. This world has no absolutes. They've removed them all. Isn't that right? There's no absolutes. There's no absolute wrong. And there's no absolute right anymore. Actually, they've gone right to the very core of God and his creation. If you don't feel that you're a man, even being born biologically as a man, you don't have to be a man. If you don't feel, even though born biologically by God's grace, a woman or a girl, you don't have to be a girl. We have removed the absolutes of God. If you don't want to marry a woman because you're a man, you can marry anybody you want. So the absolutes are being removed. But I thank God there's an absolute this morning, and it's God's word. Amen. It's God's word. Now, this isn't popular. I understand that. And we're not here just to be nasty. Our purpose 
is to see men and women reach for the gospel that sets everyone free. But the principle in all of this is that decisions were made. Lukewarmness will leave everyone just floating around. No decisions. Nothing to stand for. Just do whatever you feel and float around. Half-hearted service. The severe lack of power is because men no longer take steps of true faith based on Holy Ghost conviction. A conviction is based on God's Word. That's what we hold to. The reason that we're living in this hour, you know the tragedy, when a young girl is mocked because her desire is to be a missionary for Jesus and she's mocked in God's house. Let me tell you, friends, we're in a desperate hour. We're in a desperate hour. When one of these young children are saying, when I grow up, I want to follow Christ. I want to be a missionary. And they're belittled for it. God forbid. God forbid. What an hour we've come to. But decisions got to be made. The decision, Esther, you got to make a choice. Four lepers at the gate. They're going to make a choice. Jonathan, the armor burn, and his armor burn, they're going to make a choice. We're going to go and fight. David, you've got to face the giant. Peter, you've got to leave everything to follow Jesus. The power was not in the choice. The power was given when the choice was made. Then the power came. If there is any such a thing that enrages and sends hell into a fury, makes the devil mad, stirs the devil's nest, but it opens the windows of heaven, pours out the blessing of the Lord upon saints. It's when a simple saint stands up and says, for me to live is Christ. Three young men said, we know that our God is able to deliver us. Is God able to deliver? We sing it all the time, don't we? He's able. But then he went on to say, and saints, I want to encourage you with this thought this morning. I have no idea what 2019 holds, but I know he holds it all. Let me tell you, he is able to deliver us from every trouble and every trial. But these young men said, whether he will deliver us or whether he will not deliver us, that's no lack of faith. They know he's able to deliver. But whether he will deliver me or whether he will not deliver me, we're not bound. I want to tell you something, friend. This is men with conviction. These are young men that are going to stand in Babylon far from God and far, far from home, but close to God. They're going to say, no matter what happens, Though thou slay me, yet I will follow thee. I have no idea what this year holds. I have no prophetic insight to what's about to happen. But let me tell you, friend, whether he delivers me or whether he gives me the grace to go through it, we will not buy. That's a faith. In Daniel chapter 3, we know the story. If you turn to it, just as we're coming to a close, in Daniel chapter 3, I want to look at this. I want to show you the power and the fire of God. 
Daniel 3, we know that there's an image that's being raised up. And it is the persuasion of Babylon, which is a representation of the world. Nebuchadnezzar the king is a type of Satan himself. There is a whole system that is totally against God. Daniel 3 and verse 5. That at the time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. And whoso falleth not down and worship, shall the same hour be cast into the midst of the fiery furnace. Now, I want to tell you prophetically that this is a type of the Antichrist system of our day. This this is the Antichrist system today that we're facing. This is not something that has to come. Many people are thinking that the Antichrist and its system and its world, well, it's decades away or centuries away. We are already witnessing the rise of the Antichrist system today. It's here. It is driven by the devil. And it is the, the purpose of it is to get the believer, the born-again Christian, to buy into that system. Just compromise a wee bit. It doesn't really matter. You don't have to stand for anything. Just who really knows? You know, if, if you're filling out a form or and there's some area of, that you know it's a clear stand that you have. Look, nobody's really going to know about it. You know, I hear people talking about it. it's only a wee lie. No such thing as wee lies. There's no such thing as white lies. There's truth and there's lies. And so there's a compromise coming. And there's a persuasion coming. And there's an influence coming. And there's a system that's on our doorstep. Brothers and sisters, listen. This is happening today. The major financial institutions in Britain are in talks at this very moment to introduce, listen to this, to introduce chips that will be implanted between your finger and your thumb in the United Kingdom. Not in Sweden, not in the United States of America. And you might say, well, what's, what? big deal, big deal. Do you know how they've done it? They're so subtle. You know the, you know the devil's subtle, isn't he? So what they've done is, you know, when I grew up, there's no mobile phones. Young people, everyone go, oh, he must be ancient. We had no mobile phones. I can remember when my dad got a mobile or phone in the car. It was one, it was, it was, about, it was about 18 inches long. And you know, you're driving along in the car and the phone goes, and you say, Dad, can I answer it? He says, go ahead. And you click this thing off and you held it up to your ear and you thought, wow. That's not too long ago. That's about 30 years ago. Today, we have a little device. I mentioned it yesterday. You don't have to go down to the Enterprise. It's closed. But the other one across the road, the Primrose, you don't have to go to the Primrose to commit sin. You sit in the comfort of your living room, your bedroom, and you can have every wicked, evil, sin, unimaginable beamed in to the palm of your hand. Years ago, I heard an old preacher say, when cable TV came in, in America, they called it cable TV, and the old preacher said, that's when the snake 
comes through the front living room door. Cable. And so they've made it easy for us. Anyone got a chip and pin? Google Pay? You know, all the stuff that I know everyone, we all have, I, I have it too, chip and pin on your bank card. You know, going to go contact us? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Makes it so easy, doesn't it? What's happening? I'll tell you what's happening, friend. We're being lulled slowly, surely, and subtly. And what's going to make it so easy for you? Listen, it's going to be so much easier. See, trying to find your card down the bottom of your bag and the kids are shouting and screaming. Just stick that wee pin in between your thumb and your finger. Just beep it and it's all done. Brent will sort it out later. He'll pay for it. (laughs) You know, 20, 30 years ago, I remember old preachers that are dead and gone, they were mocked, they were ridiculed, they were laughed at in the church of Jesus Christ for bringing up these things and prophesying that this day would come. Brothers and sisters, (coughs) we're walking in this. And it's not even just everything about whether... Because see, we're talking about the mark of the beast, the mark. And everyone focuses just on the mark. But I want to tell you something. It's so much more. It's the whole system. It's the whole kingdom. And they'll wage a war with the lamb. And the lamb will overcome. Because we've got a greater mark. And it's the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we're being slowly moved along. We're being lulled. We're being groomed by an antichrist world. Drop your convictions. Move into the 21st century. They're old-fashioned ways. We've got new ways. I want to tell you, friends, let me tell you, it's not because we wore a shirt and tie. I was in a meeting recently. A guy walked in. He had his baseball cap back to front, a cup of coffee. I think he was wearing a pair of shorts and standing in the meeting one hand up, and he was looking around, and then his phone went, he's picking it up, and that's liberalism, or that's supposed to be free in Jesus. Let me tell you, it's not in anything of what we were. God, man may look on the outward, but I tell you, God is still a God that looks in the heart. So the influences are coming, and the system is rising, and now it's all around us, and friends, I believe within a short space of time, things are going to move beyond what we can imagine again. It's just moving so fast. It's moving. The undercurrents are so great, so mighty, that they're flowing at a rapid, a rapid rate. But Jesus is not caught on a worse. This is the outward system. But I want to tell you, I believe there's even a more dangerous system than the outward. It's a worldly mind. It's a carnal mind. Not only are we facing an antichrist system that's religious, social, political, educational, and environmental, it's all joined together as one system, but more dangerous than all of those things is a mindset. In Romans 8 and 5, the Bible says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit... Verse 6 says, for to be carnally minded, what is it? It's death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It opposes God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither can it be. 
So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. There's a mindset that sits in the pews of dozens of churches across this land. And that mind is carnal. It's not how it dresses. It's carnal. It's against the things of God. It's not yielded to the Lordship of Christ. It's not given over wholly to him. It has a form of godliness, but it denies the power thereof. It's religion. And Ulster has religion, religion, religion. Thank God there is a remnant in every denomination. But friends, this morning, there's a mind. In Daniel 3 and 12, the word comes through. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. These men, O Cain, have not regarded thee. They do not serve thy gods, nor worship your golden image. We are not involved in all your stuff, all your singing, all your shouting, all your dancing, all your worldly stuff. We are not part of that. We have been delivered from it. Nebuchadnezzar, verse 13 says, in his rage and fury, in his rage, I want to tell you, friends, I believe that there's a rage and a fury in hell. Three guys, three young men said no. You know you can say no? Do you know you can say no? Seems the influence today is just to go with the flow. It's easier. Don't make a stand. I tell you, I'll be honest with you, I would not like to be young again living through this world. Do you understand what I'm saying? But I do know this, friend, that Christ's coming is just upon us. Christ is about to come. This, we're not in the millennium yet. This is all about the bride of Christ and a lost world, whether they be Jew or whether they be Gentile, whether they be Greek, whether they be born. This is about lost souls. If Christ comes, friend, at this moment, you think about it, how many people in this room are instantly lost without hope, without Christ, and a hell that's real. How many loved ones, how many family members, instantly lost forever. There's a fury of hell. The devil knows his time is short. Hard to stand. Friends, I want to tell you, it's much harder to go to a lost eternity in hell with your friends forever. These men are brought to the king. Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. What a deliverer we serve. Mighty. But here's conviction. You see, here's whether it's good or bad, mountain tops or valleys. Here's real conviction. O King, verse 18, we know he'll deliver us out of thine hand. O King, but if not, be it known unto thee, O King, that we're not serving your God, 
They're worshipping the golden image which thou hast set up. They made a choice. They made a stand. Men who possess another spirit don't fit the world or its system. Don't fit into a religious world. Faith never bows. True faith is always dependent upon the part of Christ. But there's something the fire is going to do. Daniel 3.22 tells us this. Therefore the king, because the king's commandment was urgent, the fiery furnace was exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. We need the fire that purifies People sitting here this morning, you've carried the old chains, the old bondages, the old habitual sin, the old carnal mind, the old depression, the same old attitude from 2018, and you've just carried it straight in to 2019. These men made a choice. The Bible says they fell down bound. They made a choice and they fell down bound. Let me tell you, when you make a choice, the power, the power is given. Verse 24, Nebuchadnezzar, the king was astonished, rose up in haste, spake and said unto his counselors, did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said unto the king, Trio king. And he answered and said, Lo, see when Jesus comes, I see four men and they're loose. The Bible says, He whom the Son sets free, what is he? He's free indeed. Let me ask you, friend, this morning, are you tired of the old bonds? Are you tired of the old chains? Are you tired of the old attitude? Are you tired of the old habitual sin? Are you tired of the depression? Are you tired of the emptiness? Are you tired of the compromise? Are you tired of the backsliddenness? Are you tired of the indifference? Are you tired of yourself? Are you going to make a choice today for me to live as Christ? Whether he delivers me from the troubles and trials in 2019, I know he's able but whether he does or whether he does not, I know he'll be with me through every trial and every trouble. I know he's promised he'll never leave me, but I will not buy. Once that stand is made, let me tell you, the fourth man is with him. The bonds are broken. And there's four men in the fire having a prayer service because they're loose. Friends, are you tired of the old bonds? Tired of the old religious chains? Tired of the old ways? Tired of going through the motions? Tired? Weary and tired and beat down? I want to tell you, he's a baptizer in the Holy Ghost on the fire. And it begins with a choice. Elijah stood on a mountain and he turned to Israel and said, How long? How long will you halt between two opinions? How long will you just go through the motions? 
How long? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, you know what Baal represents? Represents that world. Represents that kingdom. Represents that antichrist system. But if that's your God, I tell you, the prophet didn't muck about you, he didn't. If that's your world, if that's what you want, then you follow him. But let the God that answers by fire, let him be God. Brothers and sisters, unsaved, backslidden in this house, there's a choice to be made this morning. A choice not to bend or buy. A decision must be made absolute. This half-hearted stuff, no good. The Bible tells us it makes God sick. There's a power from God to loose the bands. In body and mind and spirit, the answer is the Holy Ghost and fire. A liberty to serve the Lord with gladness. The Lord is that spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. He's all we need. The choice got to be made. The choice got to be made. Choose you this day whom you'll serve. Who will you serve? Let's pray together. Thank you, Jesus.